Chapter 11 Quidditch As they entered November, the weather turned very cold. The mountains around the school became icy gray, the lake like chilled still. Every morning, the ground was covered in frost. Hagrid could be seen from upstairs window defrosting broomsticks on the Quidditch field. Bundled up in a long moleskin overcoat, rabbit fur gloves, and enormous beaver skin boots. The Quidditch season had begun. On Saturday, Harry would be playing in his first match after weeks of training. Gryffindor versus Slytherin. If Gryffindor won, they would move up in the second place in the house championship. Hardly anyone had seen Harry play because Wood had decided that, as their secret weapon, Harry should be kept, well, secret. But the news that he was playing Seeker had leaked out somehow, and Harry didn't know which was worse. People telling him he'd be brilliant, or people telling him they'd be running around underneath him, holding a mattress. It was really lucky that Harry now had Hermione as a friend. He didn't know how he'd gotten through all his homework without her, what with all that last time Quidditch practice Wood was making them do. She had also lent him Quidditch through the ages, which turned out to be a very interesting read. Harry learned that there were 700 ways of committing a Quidditch foul and that all of them had happened during the World Cup match in 1473, that Seekers were usually the smallest and fastest players, and the most serious Quidditch accidents seemed to happen to them, that although people rarely died playing Quidditch, referees had been known to vanish and turn up months later in the Sahara Desert. Hermione had become a bit more relaxed about breaking rules since Harry and Ron had saved her from the mountain troll, and she was much nicer for it. The day before Harry's Quidditch match, the three of them were out in the freezing courtyard during break, and she had conjured them up a bright blue fire that could be carried around in a jam jar. They were standing with their backs to it, getting warm when Snape crossed the yard. Harry noticed at once that Snape was limping. Harry, Ron, and Hermione moved closer together to block the fire from view. They were sure it wouldn't be allowed. Unfortunately, Something about their guilty faces caught Snape's eye. He limped over. He hadn't seen the fire, but he seemed to look to be looking for a reason to tell them off anyway. What's you've got there, Potter? It's a Quidditch through ages books, Harry showed him. Library books are not to be taken outside the school, said Snape. Give it to me. Five points from Gryffindor. He just made that ruled up, Harry muttered angrily as Snape limped away. Wonder what's wrong with his leg. Don't know, but I hope it's really hurting him, said Ron bitterly. The Gryffindor's common room was very noisy that evening. Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat together next to a window. Hermione was checking Harry and Ron's charms homework for them. She would never let them copy. How will you learn, she said. But by asking him to read it through... They got the answers right away. Harry felt restless. He wanted Quidditch through the ages books back to take his mind off his nerves about tomorrow. Why should he be afraid of Snape? Getting up, he told Ron and Hermione he was going to ask Snape if he could have it. Better you than me, they said together. But Harry had an idea that Snape wouldn't refuse if 
there were other teachers listening. He made his way down the staff room and knocked. There was no answer. He knocked again. Nothing. Perhaps Snape had left the book in there. It was worth a try. He pushed the door ajar and peered inside, and a horrible scene met his eyes. Snape and Filch were inside alone. Snape was holding his robes above his knee. One of his legs was bloody and mangled. Filch was handing Snape bandages. Blasted thing, Snape was saying. How are you supposed to keep your eyes on all three heads at once? Harry tried to shut the door quickly, but Potter! Snape's face twisted with fury as he dropped his robes quickly to hide his legs. Harry gulped. I just wondered if I could have my book back. Get out! Out! Harry left before Snape could take any more points from Gryffindor. His printed back upstairs. Did you get it? Ron asked Harry as he joined in. What's the matter? In a low whisper, Harry told them what he'd seen. You know what this means? He finished breathlessly. He tried to get past a three-headed dog at Halloween. That's where he was going when we saw him. He's after what it's guarding, and I bet my broomstick he let that troll in to make a diversion. Hermione's eyes were wide. No, he wouldn't, she said. I know he's not very nice, but he wouldn't try and steal something Dumbledore was keeping safe. Honestly, Hermione, you think all teachers are saints or something? Snapped Ron. I'm with Harry. I wouldn't put anything past Snape. But what's he after? What's that dog guarding? Harry went to bed with his head buzzing from the same question. Neville was snoring loudly, but Harry couldn't sleep. He tried to empty his mind. He needed to sleep, at least for hours. But the expression on Snape's face when Harry had seen his legs wasn't easy to forget. The next morning dawned very bright and cold. The great hall was full of delicious smell of fried sausages and cheerful chatter of everyone looking forward to a good Quidditch match. You've got to eat breakfast. I don't want anything. Just a bit of toast, wheeled Hermione. I'm not hungry. Harry felt terrible. In an hour's time, he'd be walking into the field. Harry, you need your strength, said Seamus Finnegan. Seekers are always the one who get clobbered by the other team. Thanks, Seamus, said Harry, watching Seamus pile ketchup on his sausages. By eleven o'clock, the whole school seemed to be out in the stands around the Quidditch pitch. Many students had binoculars. The seats might be raised high in the air, but it was still difficult to see what was going on sometimes. Ron and Hermione joined Neville, Seamus, and Dean the West Ham fan up in the top row. As a surprise for Harry, they had painted a large banner on one of the sheets Scabbers had ruined. It said Potter for President, and Dean, who was good at drawing, had done a large Gryffindor line underneath. Then Hermione had performed a tricky little charm so the paint flashed different colors. Meanwhile, in the locker room, Harry and the rest of the team were changing into their scarlet Quidditch robes. Slytherin would be playing in green. Wood cleared his throat for silence. Okay, men, he said, and women said Chaser Angelina Johnson. And women, Wood agreed. That's it. The big one, said Fred Weasley. The one we've all been waiting for, said George. We know Oliver's speech by heart, Fred told Harry. 
We were on his team last year. Shut up, you two, said Wood. This is the best team Gryffindors had in years. We're going to win. I know it. He glared at them all as if to say, or else. Right, it's time. Good luck, all of you. Harry followed Fred and George out of the locker room and hoping his knees weren't to give away and walked onto the field to the loud cheer. Madame Hooch was refereeing. She stood in the middle of the field waiting for the two teams, her broom in her hand. Now, I want a nice, fair game, all of you, she said, once they were all gathered around her. Harry noticed that she seemed to be speaking particularly to the Slytherin captain, Marcus Flint, a sixth year. Harry thought Flint looked as if he had some troll blood in him. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw the fluttering banner high above, flashing Potter for president over the crowd. His heart skipped. He felt braver. Mount your brooms, please. Harry climbed into his Nimbus 2000. Madame Hooch gave a loud blast on her silver whistle. Fifteen brooms rose up, high, 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 up in the air. They were off, and the quaffle is taken immediately by Angelina Johnson of Gryffindor. What an excellent chaser that girl is, and rather attractive too. Jordan, sorry, Professor. The Weasley's twin friend, Lee Jordan, was doing the commentary for the match closely watched by Professor McGonagall, and she's really building along up there a neat pass to Alicia Spinnett, a good find of Oliver Wood's last year, only a reserve, back to Johnson, and nope, no, the Slytherin have taken the quaffle. Slytherin Captain Marcus Flint gains the quaffle. And off he goes, Flint flying like the eagle up there. He goes to, no, stopped by an excellent move by Gryffindor Keeper Wood, and the Gryffindors take the quaffle. That's the chaser, Katie Bell of Gryffindor there. Nice dive around, Flint. Off up the field, and ouch, that must have hurt. Hit in the back of the head by a bludger. Quaffle taken by Slytherins, that's Adrian Pussy's. Fading off forward toward the goalpost, but he's blocked by a second bludger sent his way by Fred or George Weasley. Can tell which. Nice play by the Gryffindor beater, anyway, and Johnson back in the possession of the quaffle. A clear field ahead, and off she goes. She's really flying. Touches a speeding bludger. The goalposts are ahead. Come on now, Angelina. Keeper Bletchley dives, misses, and Gryffindor score. Gryffindor cheers fill the cold air with howls and moans from the Slytherins. Budge up there, move along. Hagrid, Ron and Hermione squeeze together to give Hagrid enough space to join them. Been watching from me hut, said Hagrid, patting a large pair of binoculars around his neck. But it isn't the same as being in the crowd. No sign of the snitch yet, eh? Nope, said Ron. Harry hasn't had much to do yet. Kept out of trouble, though, that's something, said Hagrid, raising his binoculars and peering skyward at the speck that was Harry. Way above him, Harry was gliding over the game, squinting about some sign of the snitch, which was past his head and in Wood's game's plan. Keep out of the way until you catch sight of the snitch, Wood had said. We don't want you attacked before you have to be. 
When Angelina had scored, Harry had done a couple of loop-the-loops to let off his feelings. Now he was back to staring around for the snitch. Once he caught sight of a flash of gold, but it was just a reflection from one of the Weezy's wristwatches. And once a bludger decided to come pelting his way more like a cannonball than anything, but Harry dodged it and Fred Weasley came chasing after it. All right there, Harry, he had time to yell as he beat the bludger furiously toward Marcus Flint. Slytherin in possession, Lee Jordan was crying. Chaser Pucky ducks two bludgers, two Weasleys, and a chaser bell and speeds towards the... Wait, wait a moment, was that the snitch? A murmur ran through the crowd as Adrian Pucky dropped the quaffle, too busy looking over his shoulder at the flash of gold that had passed his left ear. Harry saw it. In a great rush of excitement, he dived downward after the streak of gold. Slytherin seeker Terence Higgs had seen it too. Neck and neck, they hurled toward the snitch. All the chasers seemed to have forgotten what they were supposed to be doing as they hung into the mid-air to watch. Harry was faster than Higgs. He could see the little round ball, wings fluttering, darting up ahead. He put on an extra spurt of speed. Wham! A roar of the rage echoed from the Gryffindors below. Marcus Flint had blocked Harry on purpose, and Harry's broom spun, of course, Harry holding on for dear life. Foul! screamed the Gryffindors. Madame Hooch spoke angrily to Flint and then ordered a free shot at the goalpost for Gryffindor. But in all the confusion, of course, the golden snitch had disappeared from sight again. Down in the stands, Dean Thomas was yelling, Send him off, ref! Red card! What are you talking about, Dean, said Ron. Red card, said Dean fiercely. In soccer, you get shown the red card and then you're out of the game. But this isn't soccer, Ron reminded him. Hagrid, however, was on Dean's side. They ought to change the rule. Flint could have knocked Harry out of the air. Lee Jordan was finding it difficult not to take sides. So, after that obvious disgusting a bit of cheating, Jordan, growled Professor McGonagall. I mean, after that open and revolting fire. Jordan, I'm warning you. All right, all right. Flint nearly kills the Gryffindor seeker, which could happen to anyone, I'm sure. So a penalty to Gryffindor, taken by Spinet, who puts it away. No trouble, and we continue to play. Gryffindor is still in possession. It was as Harry Dutch another bludger, which went spinning dangerously past his head. That it happened, his broom gave a sudden frightening lurch.